Well, we're going to uh, listen to uh, Dan Hayter, who's going to bring God's word to us this morning. It is the next part in our series. Last week, Vata kicked us off with the Elijah Elisha series, which is uh, Troublemakers. And um, Dan has the next installment for us. And um, I just want to commend Dan. He has a excellent grasp of God's word and an understanding of it and a real great way of just bringing it alive. So uh, uh, for the next 20 minutes, let's spend some time listening to what God has to bring for us uh, this morning. Hi there, it's great to be with you. We're in a teaching series on Elijah and Elisha from First and Second Kings that we've called Troublemakers. And that's what Elijah and Elisha were really. They were prophets in the Old Testament and they were a little bit like protesters in front of the Houses of Parliament. So protesters will protest, um, they'll chain themselves to stuff, they'll make a right nuisance, but not because they're having fun, but because they want to call the government to account. And Elijah and Elisha are a bit like that, but with the people of God. They're calling the people of God and the king to account because they've turned away from worshipping the true God and they've turned to worshipping the god Baal instead. And last week we looked at the fact that Elijah appeared to King Ahab, who's the wicked king of Israel at the time, and he'd said, because of your rebellion, because of your idolatry, there's going to be no rain until I say so. And then he runs away and there's a drought. And where we pick up the story today is the moment where Elijah comes back and he stands before the people of Israel and he confronts them and he says, now you need to decide, are you going to worship the true God or are you going to worship Baal? But you need to make your mind up. And maybe there's a question for us today as to who are we going to follow? But we're in 1 Kings 18 and we're going to read verses 17 all the way to 40. And this is the moment where Elijah appears to Ahab. So let's read 1 Kings 18, 17 to 40. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, is it you, you troubler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you have and your father's house because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Now therefore send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel and the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let two bulls be given to us and let them choose one bull for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. And you call upon the name of your God and I will call upon the name of the Lord and the God who answers by fire, he is God. And the people and all the people answered, it is well spoken. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose for yourselves one bull and prepare it first, for you are many, and call upon the name of your God, but put no fire to it. And they took the bull that was given them, and they prepared it, and they called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made. And at noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is musing or he is relieving himself or he's on a journey or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation. But there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. 
Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. And all the people came near to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two seers of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with water. And at the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they seized them and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slaughtered them there. Wow, what a story. What a epic scary, full-on story. But it already revolves around what Elijah says in verse 21, where he confronts the people of Israel and he says to them, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. You see, the problem of Israel was they were limping between worshipping one God, Yahweh, the Lord, the true God, and worshipping Baal. One day Yahweh, one day Baal. And the problem is you can't share the worship of God. You have to decide one or the other. It's a little bit like a, a footballer in a match who gets injured and you see them limping, trying to continue playing the game. And you think at that point, you need to decide, are you too badly injured to continue? In which case, sit it out. Or are you able to stop limping? In which case, fully play the game. But you can't do this in-between thing because we're gonna lose the game. And Elijah's point is, you need to decide, Israel. Is the Lord God, in which case, follow him, but is, or is Baal God, in which case follow him, but don't do this in-between limping thing. And maybe there's a challenge to us. I know there's definitely a challenge to me here. I'm sure there's a challenge to many of us. Are there things that we are limping from God to? Is there a sense in which sometimes our life can be God and something? Where we're loving God on a Sunday, but on a Monday, when the rubber hits the road, we're putting our trust in something else. How might Elijah challenge you? How might Elijah challenge me? What might he say? Would he say, I think maybe what he might say to me is, if the Lord is God, follow him. But if you being likable and your reputation are God, then follow that. Don't do anything that would inconvenience you for the sake of following Jesus. Don't, don't do anything that would make you feel slightly embarrassed, like offering to pray for someone to be healed or sharing the good news of Jesus. Like if the Lord is God, follow him. But if reputation is God, then go for it, go for that. But don't do this in-between thing where you're trying to do both. That might be what Elijah might say to some of us. For others of you, it might be, if the Lord is God, follow him. But if career is God, don't do anything in your career for the sake of Jesus that might lead to you not getting a promotion. Don't, don't ever speak up. If, so, if, if there's banter going on in the office and it's a perhaps racist banter or abusive banter, just laugh along with it. Don't make a stand up for Jesus because you, you want to maintain your career. But you need to decide, is the Lord God 
or is career God? For some of you, it might be, if the Lord is God, follow him. But if relation, this relationship that you're part of is God, then give yourself to that completely, even though you know that it's a relationship that goes against what God wants. If that is God, follow it. But if the Lord is God, follow him. But don't do half and half, don't limp. And notice that a lot of these things are not even necessarily bad things in and of themselves, but they're things that we can sometimes run to instead of God. And at that point, Elijah and God might challenge us and say, you need to decide which one is truly God. It's not satisfying being a Sunday Christian. It's satisfying being a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday Christian. Choose, is the Lord God or is this other thing God? And so Israel need to decide. Who is truly God? And so we get this challenge that goes on in verses 22 to 24, where Elijah says, we're going to have two altars, two bulls. The prophets of Baal are going to put one bull on their altar. I'm going to put one bull on mine. And you guys, all 450 of you, you call to the God Baal. I'll call to the God Yahweh or to the, to the Lord. And the God that re responds by fire, he is God. Fair enough. That's a good challenge. And so the prophets of Baal start. And of course... Baal does not answer because he doesn't exist. And it just, I mean, it must just look ridiculous. They're prancing, limping around the altar, crying out to a God that doesn't exist, saying, oh, Baal, answer us. They're cutting themselves, blood gushing out. It, just, it must have looked horrifying and pathetic to see 450 grown men prancing around an altar, crying out to a God that doesn't exist. And it looks stupid. But the truth is, how often do we do that? The truth is, following anything other than the true God is ultimately folly. But no one thinks it's folly when they're doing it. No, none of us, when we put our confidence in our reputation or our job or our relationship or entertainment, none of us think that we're doing something silly. But the truth is, we are. It's a little bit like a drunk person talking to a lamppost. And you think, you're, you're talking to a lamppost, but the drunk person doesn't know. They don't realise they're talking to a lamppost until one of their friends throws a glass of cold water in their face and they sober up and they suddenly go, I've been talking to a lamppost. How often do I end up, spiritually speaking, talking to a lamppost, following something, giving my allegiance and my trust to something that isn't God and that cannot deliver? And what I need is the Holy Spirit to throw a glass of cold water in my face sometimes and reveal the folly, the silliness of following these other things. We need the Holy Spirit to show us that these other things can't actually save. See, we might enjoy a nice reputation. We might enjoy being likable, but it's exhausting living for other people's approval. It really is. It's not a fun life. We might enjoy a nice career, but at the end of the day, it doesn't stop the fact that a recession could come and we lose our job. These things cannot provide the satisfaction that we're looking for. And we need the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to the fact that sometimes we're like a drunk person speaking to a lamppost. But most importantly, these things that we can turn to, that we can limp from God to, can do absolutely nothing, just like Baal, can do absolutely nothing of eternal worth. They can't save us from the fact that all of us deserve an eternity of judgment. They can't save us from that. Only the true God can do that. And that's what we see in these verses when Elijah prays to God. In verses 38 to 39, it says this, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, he is God. 
the Lord, he is God. Wow. Idolatry, other things than God don't ultimately save, but God does. And we see that here. I mean, notice how God takes an impossible situation, a drenched altar of all things, Elijah's pouring water over it, as if to make the point, my God is able to do anything, even if this altar is drenched. And many of us will have many examples of God taking impossible situations and making them possible. It might be the area of healing. You may have been prayed for and you've had something healed physically in your body that would be impossible to be healed without God. It might be provision. We've experienced this ourselves, just times where we've, we've prayed. I, I, I like to pretend that that's something we do full of faith each time, but there've been times where we've come close to the line and uh, we've just decided we need to pray. And literally within an hour, we've had an offer of money unprompted. And just thinking that, they, that person couldn't have known, but God did. He took an impossible situation and made it possible. But here, the thing is, the biggest impossible situation that God faced wasn't healing, wasn't provision. It was a humanity in rebellion against God. The whole of humanity having turned their back on him and being dead to him, being caught in sin and miles from him. And the question is, what did God do? What has God done to sort out that impossible situation? And the answer is the good news of Jesus. You see, this story, and in fact, the whole story of Elijah and Elisha is ultimately a pointer towards the true Elijah and the true Elisha. This story is a wonderful picture of the good news because in the Bible, very often, fire represents God's judgment. It represents many other things, but it very often represents God's judgment. And we've got a moment here where the fire of God's judgment falls. And who deserved the fire of God's judgment to fall on them? In this story, it should have been Israel, those who turned away from God. But what did the fire of God's judgment actually fall on? It fell on a bull. It fell on a substitute. It fell on a sacrifice. Instead of Israel being consumed, the fire of God's judgment fell on an altar. And that's a wonderful picture of something even greater that happened a few hundred years after that, where there was another hill, where there was another showdown between that which is truly God and that which isn't. But at this point, it wasn't an altar with bulls on it. It was a mangled, beaten human being hanging on a cross. Jesus, the Son of God, receiving the fiery judgment of God for what we deserved. I deserve to be on that cross. You deserve to be on that cross. We deserve the fiery judgment of God. But in the gospel of Jesus, the fire of God's judgment falls on Jesus. It's wonderful. This is a wonderful story pointing to the gospel. And just as here, this was evidence, God demonstrated his power, so in the gospel of Jesus, God demonstrates his power as well. Because on the third day, after taking the judgment that we deserve, Jesus rose again from the dead and showed himself to his followers. And in that moment, they reacted in the same way that the Israelites did. The Israelites saw the fire come down from heaven and their response was, the Lord, he is God. The disciples saw Jesus raised from the dead. And their response, well, Thomas's response, one of the disciples was to fall on his knees and go, my Lord, my God. They realized he's alive and he is king and Lord over all things. Therefore, we need to give our lives to following him and nothing else. And that's what the early Christians did. That's what the early church did. One of the most common refrains in the ancient world, in, in the first century and in the New Testament was Jesus is Lord. 
because Jesus is king over all things and has demonstrated that. Just as God demonstrated his power in the days of Elijah, he ultimately demonstrated his power in Jesus. And some of you may have just come to realize this, that Jesus is Lord. Can I encourage you? If that's you, please respond to him. You can even take this moment to cry out to him and say, Jesus, I need you. I want to turn away from my life and follow you. Please help me to do that. If that's you, you can respond right now and and pray that to Jesus. But we'd encourage you to also get in touch with us so that we can help you on this journey of following Jesus. There should be a link that appears in the chat where you can put your details and we'd love to get in touch with you. Please respond to the fact that Jesus is King. Jesus is Lord. He has taken your judgment so that you can come to know him and follow him as the ultimate awesome best king you could possibly imagine. Please do that. Because the scary reality is that there's a day coming when it will be too late. And the final verse in this story where Elijah seizes the 450 prophets of Baal and slaughters them is one of those verses you wish wasn't in the Bible. I don't know, and in many ways, I don't know what to do with it, but it's there. And we need to ask God, what are you, what are you saying through a, such a difficult verse? And what God isn't saying is we need to go and kill people. That's absolutely not the way that we apply this. But I think at the very least, what this is doing is pointing to a day where the fire of God's judgment will fall again, and it will fall on those who have ultimately rejected him. And this is a scary picture of the, day that a, of the fact that a day of judgment is coming. So can I encourage you, if you've come to realise Jesus is Lord, respond to him. Give your life to him. Get in touch. We'd love to introduce you to him. His mercy, his grace, his goodness is for you. Don't do it before it's too late. Do, do it before it's too late, sorry. But for the rest of us, Let's look to live in light of that day with Jesus being Lord. And you might be thinking, how do I, how do, I do that? I've, I've felt the Holy Spirit convicting me of these things that I'm limping between. How do I settle to follow Jesus and him alone? And the answer is another fire falling from heaven. Because there was another moment about 40 or so days after Jesus rose from the dead, sorry, after Jesus ascended to heaven, where the fire from heaven fell again. But this time, it wasn't the fire of judgment. It was the fire of the Holy Spirit. And suddenly a bunch of followers who had been cowering and scared to witness to Jesus suddenly experienced power to follow him with all of their might. In 1 Corinthians 12, it says, no one is able to say Jesus is Lord apart from the, by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit has been poured out. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit enables us to do is to acknowledge and follow Jesus as our Lord. If you're here today and you can genuinely, truly say from the bottom of your heart, Jesus is King, he's Lord, that's because the Holy Spirit lives in you. It's wonderful news. But the New Testament tells us to go on being filled with the Spirit. So I'm going to finish by praying that the Holy Spirit would fill us afresh this morning so that we could make that daily decision, no limping, Jesus and Jesus alone. So let me pray, why don't you join with me? Father, I thank you for your fiery judgment that fell on Jesus so that we can be set free. I thank you, Father, for the fire that fell at Pentecost as the Holy Spirit was poured out of your church. And Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit given to those of us who follow Jesus. And I pray, Father, that you would help us to live lives where we are continually being filled with the Spirit so that we can increasingly delight in the fact that Jesus is Lord. 
Help us to do that. Help us to live without limping. Help us to live with Jesus and him alone. We pray for this, that we would delight ourselves in the fact that he is king. He is the best king we could possibly follow. I pray you would fill us afresh with the Holy Spirit this morning. I pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Wonderful. Wonderful, Dan. A real challenge there. And I, I, we can most definitely put our hope in the wrong things, things that fade away in our circumstances. But actually, we have a hope in Jesus Christ, eternal. And um, I'm going to reread the verse that we read earlier in the, in the service um, from Romans 15. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And that's what we have this morning. We have the Holy Spirit with us so that we can abound in hope, in hope of Jesus Christ, and so we can continue to believe. So we'll be back next Sunday, 10.15 again, and uh, we really look forward to seeing you there. And um, if you want to get in touch or uh, plug in a little bit more or get to know us uh, in greater detail and what, what we are and how we work and uh, what uh, Life Church is all about, find our website and we're also on uh, most of the social media platforms and our YouTube channel, etc. So be able to catch up there. So anything you've missed or want to rewatch or anything like that, you'll be able to uh, do that there. Looking forward to seeing you all next week. Have a great week ahead of you. See you soon.